Hello everyone, welcome along to the February episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust. I'm Kev, host as always. Uh, this month, Tony's still on the injured list, but luckily enough, I've pulled Simon back from his loan spell away at an, uh, another podcast, so Simon Pitts is alongside <laughs> me, and I've also got James, the Lutonian uh, journalist as well. Chaps, how are we doing? Evening, Pretty Kev, good to catch up. Good, Kev. Good to have you back, Simon. Um, we've got Simon here for the first part of the podcast. We will let him go ahead of the second one, so uh, myself and James will carry on with that. Uh, in this first part of the podcast, we will reflect on what's happening so far, really. We've got the transfer window to have a quick chat about. Recent matches, uh, we'll do two player focuses, which this month are going to be on Gabe Osho, Peli Radican Panzu. And I was lucky enough to catch up with Reese Burke at the training ground on Tuesday uh, for an extended chat with him. So that will all be included in this first part of the podcast. But before we get going, our thoughts and condolences go out to the family of Luton Town fan Barry Lake, who tragically passed away before the game against Birmingham on Saturday. He was known by many who listen to this podcast and those of us who contribute to this podcast, and he will be sadly missed. So our thoughts and prayers with the friends, family, and everyone who knew Barry, and uh, rest in peace, Barry. Okay, lads, let's get on with uh, the podcast then. Um, James, I'll start with you, actually. Um, transfer deadline day, we're expecting busy, 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 busy. Didn't really happen, though. Uh, the only out that happened of a permanent nature, there was rumours all around the Saturday before, wasn't there, that Simon Saluga was going to go. Uh, he eventually did go to Bulgarian champions, Luda Goretz, and I've practised that all day long, so I'm glad I've got that right. And um, we got Jed Steer in, in his place from Aston Villa. What do you make of that? I think it was, an, it was probably a necessary deal that they had to make because Saluga was coming into the final uh, part of his contract, would have been up in the summer. I think they've got they had an option to extend, but as I understand it, he hadn't played the amount of games that would have triggered that extension. And with Shea in in the pole position in the in between the sticks at the moment, who's to say whether that would have happened? And then of course you're risking losing Sluga, international goalkeeper, for free in um in the summer. So it was um it was a necessary deal, I think. Um it's a shame to see him go, to be honest. I think I did see quite a, lot, a fair bit of revision, <laughs> revisionism about his stint at the town. It's fair to say that it didn't start well, but last season he was player of the season. He was magnificent. And um, so it's it's a big miss, I think. Um, they obviously haven't recouped the money that they spent on him, but he's arguably helped kickstart the great escape of that save at Wigan. Um, more than established Luton and helped establish Luton as a championship side last season um, and, and played really well this season as well. So um, I think it's always an undisclosed fee with Luton, isn't it, in this country, but you can't prevent that stuff from getting out. And there's came out of Bulgaria, there was about half a million euros, I think, that they got for him. So it's not, um, <clears throat> it's not small money, I suppose, but um uh, you know, last season, if you say you're going to sell some Simon Sluga, I would have thought they would have gone to a, a Premier League team, maybe or a, one of the bigger Championship sides, and and earned a fair bit of money. So, um, yeah, it's 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 one of those that 
luckily they've got two very good goalkeepers at Luton and Shea's been magnificent so um, they're not going to be light in that department in any sense um, uh, but yeah it was uh, yeah I was, I was just sorry to see him go really I, I, I thought he was a fantastic goalkeeper for Luton to be honest yeah I didn't get the cynicism about his spell at the club um, like you say we may have lost out a little bit. I'm sure there's plenty of add-ons in that deal that's um, going to keep on making us money because that's how the way Gary Sweet structures his deals. But, um, you know, he's made the loss of money by that save against Wigan because make no mistake about it, without that save, I think we're um, playing League One football last season. Simon, it, we haven't seen too much of Jed Steer yet. We saw him at Cambridge, didn't have an awful lot to do, made a cracking save in the last 10 minutes. But I'm a little bit surprised, actually, that he's been on the bench in the two league games that he's been here for because, sorry, three league games, but so many games, aren't there? They're just, they all blend into one. Three league games he's been here for because you kind of get the impression that someone from Aston Villa isn't going to go from their bench to our bench, sort of, necessarily. But I'm sure um, that will play itself out. But what did you see that you liked about him at Cambridge? Yeah, I certainly think, I mean, he's come in with a lot of experience, albeit he's not played a lot of competitive football the last uh, couple of seasons. But, um, you know, he comes in with a, a good quality keeper and, you know, you can't take the risk with the back end of the season that should anything happen. And we hope it obviously doesn't, James Shea, that you, you need that support in there. Um, I think although he'd been on the bench at Villa, he was potentially becoming their third choice from what I understand and therefore may not be have involved as much. So it may be that just getting the regular match day routine and training, you know, perhaps with a, a more key role as a second potentially understudy um, week in, week out um, was an option he wanted. We don't know longer term, you know, is it something that's being looked at? Um, but either way, you know, he's obviously decided that he wants to come to Luton Town and, you know, try and get a game um, if he can uh, instead of James Shea. But certainly it's, it's good to have his experience in there. And that's with all due respect to, to Harry, who we've we've got as well as a great younger keeper, um, you know, but he, he just hasn't had the opportunity to play that regular championship football. Um, and it's difficult, isn't it, when you're that age that if you're not getting the games, then you can't prove you're good enough. And if you can't prove you're good enough, you, you don't get the games. So, I mean, he's done nothing wrong previous seasons in the, the games he's played for us or indeed while he's been out on loan at lower levels. So, you know, we have got good good strength in depth across that goalkeeping department with some great coaches, um, to support them as well now. Yeah, uh, I would agree with that. And you're right. I think Aston Villa signed Robin Olsen, didn't they? So um, Jed Steer, who has played in the Premier League this year, is now down to third choice there. Well, he wouldn't be if he'd stayed. It's obviously not no more. Uh, James, the only other deal that happened on deadline day, Glenn Ray left uh, on loan to go to Wigan. He's gone from our bench to their bench from everything that I've seen of their lineups um, since then. But that was a bit of a surprise because... We've got an awful lot of physical teams in this league and you'd have thought Glenn Ray could have been used in some of those. But my understanding is we tried to get a midfielder in, thought we had a midfielder in, therefore we committed Glenn to go and uh, well, the midfielder didn't arrive and Glenn's gone. So uh, what did you make of that? I'm not surprised really he wasn't getting the game time that he probably wanted. Nathan said himself he didn't want Ray to go, but he wasn't getting that game time. And I think probably... This season, we've seen the emergence of Gabe Osho, who can play that role really well. And he's, he's, um, you know, as much as I like Glenn, um, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a tackler and he's tenacious and he breaks things up, but he's not the best with the ball at his feet. And I think Gabe Osho has probably come in and 
excelled in in that particular thing. We'll obviously, talk about him later. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Um, and I think everything was shaping up, like you say, that they were trying to get um, midfielder in. Looked like it was going to be uh, Elliot Anderson for a long time, but um, then that that focus switched to Luke Freeman of Sheffield United and. And and again, and Nathan was very honest about that. He just said the finances wouldn't work. You know, obviously Freeman's on far too much money that um, Luton, Luton couldn't make that work. And that's probably, you know, something that you're going to have to get used to. They're going to come up with, up against quite a lot, really, if you want ready-made championship uh, championship players. But I wouldn't get too disheartened about the January transfer window. I mean, a lot of people fall for the sport, Sky Sportsification of it, and Really, I think what it says if you're if you're signing a truckload of players in January, it's it's one of two things: is that um, you didn't do your work well enough in the summer, or you're in dire straits, and mm. neither of those things apply to Luton. So, it, you know, yeah, it was a quiet one, but um, the squad that they've got is is strong and it's competitive. So, um, you know, don't don't worry too much about that. I think that they do such a good job that in the summer of getting players and I expect that probably continue as well uh, this summer um, it's just it's a tough market generally isn't it so um, you know on the face of it you sort of shy Glenn Ray in the squad but maybe that opens the door for other players and um, you know uh, Elliot Thorpe's been talked of a lot as well hasn't he and I'm sure that he uh is working his way towards that first team um, squad berth at least, and uh, you know everything that I've seen of him and pe- what people have, s- have said about him is that he's he's a dynamic midfielder as well. So um, you know you don't always have to sign players uh, to to boost the squad. Sometimes it, the door opens up for a player like him or or someone else. Who knows? Uh, and uh, and it can work that way. Yeah, absolutely. The only other uh, out in January was Dion Pereira. We covered that in the last podcast. Unfortunately, he's got an injury, hasn't really had an impact. But Bradford has got a new manager there now, so maybe he will do when he's fit. Simon, maybe the best thing of transfer deadline day was January was came and went and Elijah Adebayo still wears a loot shirt. Yeah, indeed. And you think, you know, just a year on from assigning him in the January window and um, what progression he's made, what progression Luton Town have made. And, you know, he's, he's certainly going to, continue to develop and continue to be uh, a huge prospect for the club and um, you know long-term future for Elijah looks very promising at the moment it really does yeah um, there is well there's a player there and there's you know we are going to uh, going to benefit from that for a long time to come or certainly at least until the summer that's for sure okay chaps let's move on and look back at the matches since the last podcast it's kind of bookended by absolute shit performances, really, isn't it? But we'll go through all of them one by one, starting with Sheffield United away. Um, Simon, I'll go with you because I don't think James was at that game. In fact, I know he wasn't because I wrote his takeaway piece for that game. Um, good first half, actually, from the town, maybe without a lack of killer instinct at the top end of the pitch with Elijah having a rest in that game. Uh, but it all unravelled five minutes after the second half. Yeah, it was the start of the second half that basically killed the game, wasn't it? That 15-minute spell where two goals conceded and Burke sent off. And, you know, we actually, I thought, putting 
a strong performance after that to to not concede more and you know kept a tight ship but yeah very frustrating because I thought we were in the game at half time um didn't think there was a massive amount between the two sides and you know we got the opportunity to try and get something from it but you know those two goals and and then the sending off and it, it was a real uphill struggle then and you know it was frustrating that uh, you know after a good run of games um after the new year and the, the covid break over christmas that um you know we we did we did lose that game and it, it was that just disappointing spell um and unfortunately we've had a couple of games where we've you know we haven't had the reverse we've been able to take advantage when we've had a good spell um we'll come on to other games later but you know that was one of those where Sheffield United got the two goals and uh, you know from that point on we then didn't look like we were going to get back into it but like this team often does James it rebounded with a win I'm not going to say it was a fantastic performance against Bristol City but it was decent enough um Highlight of which was Tom Lockyer, both on and off the pitch, opened his, score, opened his account for the club during the game. Reckoned he scored a second one, but uh, sorry, Tom, you did not score a second one. Uh, Elijah most definitely scored that second one. And he was chirpy enough off the pitch. What did you make of that game? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it was uh, it was comfortable once the, the goal went in, the, the winning goal that was uh, disputed. But... Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm personally going to remember it most for Tom Lockyer afterwards. He was very funny. Um, I just wish more football interviews were like that, really. But um, I don't know how much Elijah knew about <laughs> his goal. It, uh, it just sort of bounced off him, but it definitely was uh, Elijah's goal. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, it, it was actually really quite good, actually. Um Tom Lockyer, uh, I, I liked his performance in that game. Um, he was obviously coming back from not playing so much as well. So uh, there's probably more in the tank to come from him. Um, but it seemed to have a good record at the minute against Bristol City, which I like, considering in that first season when we all went down to the <laughs> down to their place and it was one of the most miserable afternoons ever so since then um, they've, they've done reasonably well against um, um, that's no mean feat considering the the players that they had up, up front on that day um, they played really well um, so yeah uh, it's a decent three points but mostly memorable for Tom Lockyer afterwards yeah absolutely if you've not seen that interview and you've got an eye follow account uh, do watch it. It's very, uh, very good. I should just say at this point, actually, if you hear any background noise while she listens to the podcast, it's none of, none of us making the noise. We did put in a request with Storm Dudley or whatever the bloody noise is of the name of these storms to give us two hours to record the podcast. But it seems to have refused, judging by the wind that's outside. Um, we'll carry on, Simon. Um, there wasn't really much to talk about in the nil-nil draw against Blackburn. Was there safe for a tackle from Henry Lansbury? Um, 10 or 15 minutes into the game on their left back who will never tread on Henry Lansbury ever again because you don't make that mistake um, but that aside they were second in the league at the time I think and then they dropped down to third so it's another good point Yeah indeed point clean sheet at home and you know when we've played the top of the table teams Fulham Bournemouth Blackburn now um, you know they've uh, scored they've taken one point from three games so uh, and we kept a clean sheet. So, you know, you, you've got to be happy with that overall. But there was the opportunity to to take three points again. But, uh, you know, it was one of those, you know, 
it, it kept the momentum going after the win against Bristol City, didn't it? And I think if you look at four points from those two games and then you add in what happened after it that we'll talk about in a minute, you, you're on a good run at that point. So, yeah, it's, you know, it was a, a goalless draw, as you say, not a huge amount to really go through. No, absolutely not. We will move on. Uh, those third games of a week have been a problem this season, though. So that was encouraging that we didn't lose that game. Unfortunately, we'll come on to a third game where we did, but that's uh, a little way down the line. Um, James, you didn't go to Swansea, so I'll stick with you, Simon. Um, bloody long way to go, that place. It really <laughs> needs to start shifting its way this side if we're in the, in the same division as them next season, especially if we've got to go down there on a Tuesday night. But the reward was fantastic. And I was in the away end. And lo and behold, not long after the final whistle, so was our manager. Yes, yeah, he thoroughly enjoyed that one, didn't he? And um, yeah, great night out. Um, you know, I, sh- I just give a mention to Mark Crowther that joined me in co-commentary because, you know, what he's doing cycling to every game, uh, away game, uh, is just a tremendous achievement. And, you know, bless him, the game originally in December was going to be behind closed doors and he was still planning to travel to cycle it because, you know, he'd set himself this target to to do every game and the club had uh, said he could be co-commentator for that game. But of course, that then was postponed and we played it uh, midweek. He still stepped up to the challenge, left on Sunday to get there. And, um, you know, it was great to have him alongside me in co-commentary. And, you know, him and 310 away fans in the away end, Luton fans, were rewarded with uh, a great 1-0 victory and uh, a Harry Cornet goal to, to celebrate as well. So, yeah, tremendous night, great three points. Um, and, you know, a good good old-fashioned away win. You know, the 1-0 wins that we were seeing last season, um, you know, it was, it was a good good win and a thoroughly enjoyable night. And, uh, you know, Mark had a much easier journey home on the coach than he did uh, going on the bike with all the weather conditions. Yeah, he's, he most certainly did. Yeah, that Cornet goal, actually, was a really, really good finish. Uh, yeah. It's not going to get goal of the season or anything like that, because I think we all know that Cal Naismith's got that one yeah, sewn up. But, you know, from the good play from Jerome, actually, to find him in the first mm-hmm. place, hit it straight in the bottom corner, Goalkeeper weren't saving that. Absolutely fantastic. We held on against Swansea, who, I mean, they had more of the ball than I've ever seen any side have in my life, but end product definitely weren't there. Um, I'll stick with you again, Simon, for the FA Cup game at Cambridge. Much, much changed side. I think we made eight changes for that game, didn't we? I think off the top of my head, Gabe Oshio played in both games. and I can't even remember who the other two were. He played in uh, both both games, but... Um, Solid enough performance from the time we took the lead. Um, there was only one winner of that game. Yeah, indeed. Um, you know, as you said, a, a lot of changes. Um, uh, so, yeah, it was a little bit risky against a side that had beaten Newcastle in the previous round. But we've got a good strength in depth with the squad, as we mentioned before. Um, so players coming in, yes, they might not be regular first teamers, but they've all made first team appearances with the exception of Elliot Thorpe. And of course, Jed Steer coming in for a match as well. But um, yeah, otherwise there was, you know, real um, strength there um, across the board. It gave great game time for players. And the other thing, as I said to people before the game, it also, those players have got a point to prove. If they're not in the starting 11 week in, week out in the championship, this was an opportunity for them to perform and to to highlight that, you know, they're knocking on the manager's door to say, look, I should be involved um, more regularly. So, yeah, it was a great performance. And I thought the, the key thing for me was the way that at times we the players all linked up, despite not having played competitively together necessarily. 
um, too often. So, you know, there were a lot, as you said, eight changes. I think Anya Dimmer and um, Burke were the other two that um, played from memory um, in those. But so, you know, with with that involved, it, it gave great game time. It was a, a good fixture and a cracking win. Um, you know, the goal in the first 15 minutes, Cambridge had, had chances before that and we kept them at bay. So to then break the deadlock and then capitalise on a mistake, again, good work from Cameron Jerome um, to set up Mendes Gomez for the second. And from that point on, it was, you know, fairly straightforward. They had a couple of chances, but... Um, you know, you you felt fairly comfortable with uh, with how that game was progressing, um, and then wrapped up late on um, Musfay with a, a nice strike, took a deflection, but he, he still hit it well, um, and it gave good confidence to those players. You know, Mendes Gomez, Musfay not really um, featuring on a regular basis, um, and then a clean sheet for the defenders that had come in as well. So yeah, great great evening. Shame it was a silly five thirty kickoff, but um, the TV coverage obviously. Uh, helped and showed what we're capable of doing and we avoided the banana skin and that that is always the threat um, when you're going somewhere like that when they're on the back of a good a good win in the previous round and looking to get into the last 16 then you know the pressure is on the championship side but uh, we more than um, delivered and great to then get the the tie that we did against Chelsea. Yep gone from facing the banana skin to being the banana skin we'll come on to that in the um Second part of the podcast, kudos to Reese Burke and Carlos Mendes Gomez for opening their Hatters account in that game. I'm sure there'll be plenty more that follows. A uh, game that James was at was the home game against Barnsley. Uh, I mean, we won the game. Uh, there wasn't an awful lot more to say about that other than that we did win the game. Highlight of which was Elijah, who had to stand there for about five minutes whilst the goalkeeper was doing this, that and everything else to try and put him off for a penalty. He even told him where to put it. So Elijah said, OK, Chief, save this put it exactly where he told him to. And, well, the goalkeeper couldn't save it. And if there were three of them in there, they wouldn't have saved it. Yeah, it was a great penalty, but it was a you know disgraceful behaviour from um, Barnsley, really. And the referee really ought to have got his book out, got his cards out far sooner than that, you know, to allow the goalkeeper to just hold that up, uh, you know, standing on a six-yard line. And, um, it, you know, there's gamesmanship is one thing, but... Their, their antics were ridiculous. It was a clear penalty. Mm. One of them was uh, the striker that, that scored was claiming there was a penalty uh, handball in the build-up. But, you know, it wasn't given at the time and there's no VAR. So what? Maybe maybe they saw the other the other match where uh, Bournemouth uh, protested so much and got their own way that they thought they'd give it a go at Kenilworth uh, Road. But... Um, that, that stuff has got to be clamped down on because that goalkeeper should have got booked then and then he should have got booked again at the, after the penalty when he was still complaining and he should have been off uh, and, and that would have solved it. You know, whack a few yellow cards around and people shut up, I, I, would, have, I would have thought, but I didn't put Elijah off, which is the main thing. And it was a fantastic penalty, really. It was the first one since that Nottingham Forest scuffer that, that he missed. So uh, a, a good way to get back on on song from the spot. So um, uh, it was a, a, a good result, that one, actually. Not not the nicest game to watch, but but a good result for, for that sort of reason. And actually, the, the crowd were quite quiet until that moment when their players were acting up and then it really got the crowd on side and then they, they've um, they've mugged themselves off a bit there, Barnsley. So, um, well, they're, you know, they're in dire straits, uh, 
which is it's, it's astonishing, really, from where they were last season. They were a surprise package in the playoffs. Um, uh, but, you know, that's that's their lookout, really. But Alan Campbell on the score sheet again as well. He's um, If he can start, if he can keep doing that, he's going to be a hell of a player. Yeah, he, he certainly uh, is. We mentioned that uh, an awful lot with um, with Campbell. Uh, goal line technology, I think, actually ruled um, that that one went in because um, Gabe Osho wanted it afterwards, didn't he? Uh, but the referee pointed to his watch and said, nope, sorry, sorry, Gabe, uh, that's Alan Campbell's goal. The time wasting from Barnsley in that game was absolutely horrendous. They made Stoke look like they were playing on times 12 speed. It was absolutely hideous uh, from the first minute right the way through until we took the lead. And then again, when they got back on level terms, that shit really needs to be clamped down on because none of us go to you won't go to a film that buffered and then go back again the following week, would you? It's just, it's not good enough. I wish we'd wasted some time, Simon, at Birmingham on Saturday because the only good thing about that game, the final whistle and the fact we ain't got to play them for another six months because apart from the first 20 minutes, 25 minutes where it was all Luton without really creating that killer chance, once they took the lead, there was only one outcome in that game, sadly. Yeah, unfortunate, wasn't it? As you said, though, you know, the first 20 minutes or so, we, we had the possession without really causing the keeper to make a save as such. But it, we just never really seemed to then get back into it um, after they scored. They were um, very fortunate, having seen it back on the uh, the replays for the second. I said in commentary at the time that I felt um, he was offside, Taylor was offside from the initial pass. There was a lot of talk about whether the foot of Henry Lansbury making a touch then changes the offside ruling. But then the next day you see the, I think it was the Aston Villa game, wasn't it? Where, uh, or Newcastle, where exactly the same thing happened and they did the offside from the original ball. But anyway, it happened and it, that that was the killer blow. Like Sheffield United, two goals in five minutes, the killer blow was conceding straight after half time when you, you're back out and you're, you're expecting, you know, you've had the discussions um, in the dressing room, you know what you need to do. You need to come out and get the goal back and, you know, start to take the game to Birmingham because they were there for the taking for the first 20 minutes or so, really were there for the taking. We just couldn't get that chance to to break the deadlock. And I think it would have been a very different game if we had have scored in that first opening spell. Certainly the crowd were already down. Um, they seemed despondent. Um, obviously there was the protest with the lemons and the tennis balls being thrown on the pitch and the steward deciding that he's going to try and play right back for a few minutes. Um, you know, so that all didn't help. But um, it, to me, it was that second goal straight after half time that just really, as I say, from that point, we we didn't look like getting. Although Alan Campbell had a great chance, didn't he? We, we talked about his goal scoring just now. Um, really had an opportunity, and I think if that had gone in, that may then have turned it back around because we're buoyed by getting the goal. But it wasn't to be. And yeah, eight goals conceded against Birmingham. I think I read it something like twenty one percent of their goals scored this season are against Luton and you know we failed to score against them in two matches so real disappointment but as you said thankfully we haven't got to play them again the rest of the season it's one of those things unfortunately it happens was it because it was at the end of such a long run of four midweek games I know the squad's changed around I know the players but you know you just wonder whether it's it's finally taken its toll and you know we're grateful that they've had a midweek rest um, prior to the West Brom on Saturday so yeah, disappointing, frustrating, um, bad day at the office, whatever you want to put it down to. But it's one game in 46. We move on and we focus on the remaining ones now. And, um, you know, keeping positive that we've been on a good run. Still only, what, two defeats in 10 in the league or something. 
So match that again um, with the wins and, you know, we're, we're in a good position. Let, let's not forget that. Yeah, turn from football to uh, SW19 centre court, didn't it? That um, <laughs> that was a really weird, really weird. I mean, I thought it was going to be a proper protest, but there was about 30 tennis balls came on. I mean, a couple of stewards got rid of them, apart from that one who was loitering with intent mm. in the other half of the pitch. And then everyone cracked on, you know, if you'd blinked, you wouldn't have known it had happened. I mean, I'm all for a protest and stuff, but come on, think of something a little bit better than uh, than that one. Um uh, James Bree also had a chance uh, just after Campbell and if he'd have scored, the same thing would have applied. Mm. But unfortunately, goalkeeper was too good on that occasion. And the only other trouble he was under was from his own defender who seemed hell-bent on getting the ball past him for an own goal. But unfortunately, never happened. Um, that's all the games to recap on. Pretty good month, all, in, all told, apart from the start and the end of it. Certainly more than happy with um, the kind of points tally. Uh, the three wins, the draw. Um, so, you know, 10 points from 18. Certainly no bad thing. Progression in the FA Cup and um, pretty decent league position all told. So uh, onwards and upwards with regards to that. Let's go with some player focuses uh, then, chaps. Um, we'll start with Gabe Osho. We've already focused on Gabe Osho this season, but his form in this month in particular, James, was outstanding when we focused on him earlier in the season we focused on him as a defensive midfielder which he told us on the podcast was what he wanted to transition into Uh, however he's played a centre-back in the majority of the games that he's played in this month and he's excelled he was absolutely superb against um, Blackburn very 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 good against Swansea and he ran the show against Cambridge in one of the best weeks I can remember from a Luton player it really was yeah, well, um, <clears throat> centre back was his position, wasn't it? So it's it's all it, it doesn't have to learn that one. I, I would say, <clears throat> you know, the amount of centre backs that Luton have got, it's probably right that defensive midfielder is probably where he's going to be quite effective and might be where he's utilised the most. But if you need him in centre back, he's clearly got the tools to to do the job. Um, but even so, you know, from when they signed him and they've loaned him out and they've got him back, I think that week shows the improvement in his in his play. He just looks supremely confident, really. You know, he's he's good in the air and he's uh, you know a good defender. But as I mentioned earlier, what really sets him apart is that he doesn't need to be asked twice to to burst out from the back with the ball, and it's. Uh, a real good uh, trait to have, which actually quite a few of Luton's centre-backs have, and I know we'll come on to this debate later, but um, it's a real benefit to the way Luton want to play on the front foot. Um, and, and no disrespect to the likes of Matty Pearson and stuff, but he, he you know, wasn't doing that. So it adds a new dimension to to what Luton can you know, uh, take, to, take to other teams, but yeah, it's that, like you say, great week from from him, and uh, I think it's probably signs of things to come. Stuff. I just he looks like a player that is right on his game, but is still learning. So, and that's what Luton do, isn't it? They they find these players that other clubs haven't got the confidence in, and they uh, transform them. And that seems to be what's happening before our eyes with with Osher. 
yeah, very much add in to uh, the Jordan Clark, Cal Naismith, best free transfer in the world ever um, debate because he's certainly uh, getting in that direction. So what I liked about that week is he, against Blackburn, he was the right-sided centre-half. Against Swansea, he was the middle centre-half. And then against Cambridge, he was a defensive midfielder. It's like he's played three different roles in three games. He's excelled in all three of them. We've got a right player here. Yeah, certainly quality um, in those games, as you said there, Kevin. The fact that he can play in several positions is just such um, support to the team and the squad. And where he's required to play, he does. And like you mentioned with Cal, I mean, he came in as a utility player, um, but he sort of nailed down that left-sided centre-back position um, really now as his main role. And it's great with Osho that depending on where we need him, he always adapts and you know puts in the performance. And to have somebody of that quality. And I think it just shows, you, James touched on it at the end there, regarding how players develop and progress. Um, because you look at him, you look at, we said Simon Sluger didn't have the best of starts, but then settled and was out performing really well. Um, you know, Cal Naismith, when he first came in, there was a few people doubting, you know, what he was bringing. But once they've settled and once they've got into the squad and they've got into the training and they've got into the the matches with Luton. And I think Gabe's particularly on there because he was out on loan at Rochdale um, for the back end of the season. So he'd only played one game last year after signing. And then suddenly now he's you'd almost expect him to be in the starting eleven. Um, on a regular basis. So it shows what the time and the development of a player can do. Um, and I think that's all credit to Nathan and to the manager and to the coaching staff there as to how they're bringing these players through that, as James said, perhaps aren't getting, you know, the performances elsewhere. Um, so, yeah, it's certainly add him up there with, with a great free transfer. Um, and, you know, long may his performances continue. And it's great for the squad that you've got that player that can play in several positions um, as required. Um, really adds strength to the depth and of course it, it means that if you've got him starting or you've got him on the bench you can use him where you need to yeah maybe Saturday's loss was as heavy as it was because he wasn't in the side he came on mm. uh, came on when we're 3-0 down I'm guessing to preserve goal difference and things like that but you know who knows maybe it was that also we've seen him play left back this season so you know we know he can play right back because we were told that when he started so that's five different five different roles in the side and who knows he might even be able to play up front for all I know and um, you know he's he certainly looks a, a great player he's young he's obviously hungry he told us that on the podcast when we had him on the podcast two or three months ago and um, yeah he's going to develop into a mighty fine player and like James said um, much earlier in this podcast we've let Glenn Ray go for a reason and one of the reasons why we've let Glenn Ray go is because Gabe Osho's grown ahead of him I think it's fair to say it's now him or Henry Lansbury as the defensive midfielder and obviously Gabe can uh, cover any of the centre-back positions as well. Um, James, there's not many players who can play every minute of every game of eight league games in what would be, what, 22 days at a breakneck speed, at an intensity of championship football and the endurance that championship football takes. So we salute Pelly Rudder Kampanzu here, don't we? Yeah. I mean, I think you should salute him most of the time. Yeah, he has uh, some bad games, but it hasn't been in this run. He's really, really grown. It was a bit, it was a bit um, dodgy earlier on in the season. He had some of his games where things weren't coming off, passes weren't going right, uh, lots of heads in hands from him. But uh, he's he's been here, there, and everywhere in, in this run. Really strong, helps the team. The fact that he can play. Like you say, that many minutes, considering he was 
you know, permanently injured all the time, really, in his early career. I think we've said we've said this before, but that transformation is something incredible that you can now rely on him to play every minute of a contested fixture list and and to a high standard. Um, he's 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 an he's, sometimes it doesn't come he doesn't get the credit he deserves for that. I don't think because it's not the flashy stuff really, but. He, he, there is a real engine there, and when you combine that with players like, you know, Alan Campbell, who's um, probably now more forward-thinking as well, uh, so he doesn't have to do everything, Pelly. I think that probably helps as well. He can be the uh, uh, the man that mixes it up in the middle of the middle of the park, and you can't get the ball off him. It's hard to shake him off. And, uh, but he has got that ability to try and find a pass uh, and a way through. So he's, was one last season, wasn't he, where he picked out James Collins of a crossfield ball and they, they said afterwards that they'd been working on that. They've tried that a couple of times as well this season. So, uh, you know, the only thing for Pelly, he just wanted to add more goals. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be bangers. He just want, you know, sometimes when a ball drops to him, you think anyone but Pelly because he's going to shank that. <laughs> he's going to shank it wide. But, you know, for everything else, um, you know, you know what a player. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he doesn't get the recognition that he deserves in many ways, Simon, because he's not what I call a stat sheet filler. He, you know, the stuff that he does doesn't go on the stats. It's not goals. It's not assists. It's not, you know, passing rate and everything else. You know, he's there to break up play and um, be that extra body in the centre of the park. But there was a, there was a one at Swansea wasn't there when they was they'd already launched the kitchen sink at us and they were just getting ready to put the swimming pool and the garage in our direction as well and um, towards the end of uh, injury time was just starting actually five minutes of it and he carried the ball from the edge of our box right mm. down into the opposition corner he was clearly fouled quite how the referee didn't give a free kick mm. against him I've absolutely no idea but to do that in that time when we've been backed against the wall for a lot of it without the ball it just it just summed it, summed up the character of the guy and the fact that you know he was going to take responsibility, take that ball down there, and uh, if everyone around him was tired, he was probably tired too, but he, he wouldn't show it. No, he certainly um, you know the the issues over fitness and injuries are long behind him now, and just looking at the stats, he's he's played the third most minutes in the championship for Luton this season, only Cal Naismith and James Bree are ahead of him. Um, so you know that's a fantastic stat when you think of the the years where. You know, unfortunately, he was missing games, but yeah, he sees he's got the strength, he's got the uh, the fitness, and as you say, that was a key moment in that game to to get the ball out of danger and to try and hold it up at the end of the game. Um, but as you said, you know, goals is uh, perhaps the the one thing that you would expect potentially more from midfielder. Um, you know, just the one this season, I think, isn't it? Um, in the uh, in the league, so you know that that is an area that. Um, you know, look at, but certainly, you know, eight years, over eight years, he's been with the club now, over 300 appearances, um, moving on up that appearance table, you know, and just a real character. And, you know, I think that that's the other element to it, isn't it? That, you know, whenever people talk about Pelly or sometimes when we're doing post-match interviews on the side of the pitch and he walks past and interrupts or gets involved and, you know, that that's all an element to everything that he brings to the football club on, on and off the pitch. Um, you know, to have that character and, uh, you know, to have come up with us from non-league to championship and still be performing, um, you know, it's, it's great for him and great for the club. 
It most certainly is, yeah. Uh, he may not have been Nathan Jones's free transfer, but he's another one who can definitely get added to that list of um, best free transfer signings that we've made. And uh, I mean, if he does start adding goals to his game as well, whew, what a player he uh, he's going to become. I mean, it's 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 crazy to think, isn't it? I mean, he's you know he's still mid twenties, isn't he? He's been here eight years, and uh, you know by that sort of time, someone's been at a club for eight years. They're, they're going into the thirties, aren't they? This guy's nowhere near thirty. He's still got God knows how many years left to give, and hopefully he gives them all. Um, to us because he's a fantastic um, breaker up of play if, if if that is indeed a term in the middle of the park and like Simon just said the character of the guy you cannot uh, underestimate and it, it really does give all of the players a lift he does and um, long may that continue um, okay we've heard enough from us three for the time being uh, earlier this week I caught up with Reese Burke on a really soggy Tuesday morning. I think he was grateful that I got him out of the uh, out of the rain at the training ground, and I caught up with him for this exclusive chat. Let's quickly touch on Saturday, and I mean quickly touch on Saturday because it's not really a game that any of us want to remember for particularly long periods. But tough day at the office. I think we fired that one as yeah, uh, a tough day. Um, we should have done better. Um, the goals weren't great that we that we give away, um, but. Do you know what I mean? We've, we've had a good run. Um, very disappointing, obviously, to, to concede the, the three goals in the way in which we did. Um, but we, as, it, as, it, as football goes, as the football's, uh, I mean, the games come quick and fast. So got a few big games coming up, which uh, I'm pretty sure if we pick up points um, from them, we we we'll put ourselves back in a good position because we're still in a very good uh, good position as it is. Um, but yeah, nice. No, it was a very disappointing. Uh, performance and and obviously the goals uh, being a defender. Do you know what I mean? We don't want to concede goals and conceding three with, away from home is is not good for us. So it's one one we need to obviously have a debrief about and 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 try and work out things which we which we need to do better and, and in in terms of pushing forward. Yeah, I'll come on to the sort of season and the form and everything else uh, a little later. But if I'm just take you back right to the start of. Um, your career you came through that west academy didn't you and if there's one thing i've learned through the years you don't come through there if you can't play football and uh, obviously uh, that's very much the case but we've had a lot of west ham sort of academy products here many of them are still here actually i think pelly elliot so i think you're the fourth one and george monker left just as you arrived so it's kind of a nice sort of feeding ground for us but what was it like coming through the system at such an established club yeah, no, I was uh, obviously as a young young lad, you dream of playing football, and obviously at the time, uh, playing for West Ham was was a big achievement. And being a fan, um, being being local, being a local lad, um, and obviously the family supported West Ham through and through. So, no, it was a it was a big thing for for me and the family at the time. So, um, yeah, no, it's nice to be here now. Obviously, seeing seeing a few familiar faces uh, who were also at West Ham. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the way they did things there when I was a kid was, was very good, and um, yeah, I learned so much uh, being in um, being in and around it for for many years. Um, it was wasn't sort of a difficult decision for me to to leave there in the end, um, I shall say, because I kept going on loan, felt like I was doing well, and I was enjoying minutes, and sort of wasn't guaranteed that West Ham at the time. So I think um, the move for me, which which was to halt, um, was was a good one. 
Yeah, I was going to touch on that in a second, actually, because one of those loan spells was at Bradford and one of my um, better mates is a Bradford fan and messaged me when you signed for us and told me that we'd signed the dog's bollocks to quote a um, term from his tweet. So uh, obviously, yeah, you certainly impressed there. Did you cross paths with any of those boys that are still uh, with us at the West Ham Academy? I'm guessing Elliot would have been the closest one, would he? Uh, yeah, Elliot, Dan Potts, Pelly, they all was, to be fair. I think... Um... The way West Ham always used to try and push players on and play with obviously the, the older uh, age groups, and in which I think I played a few games for the twenty threes when when I was one of the young lads. So yeah, I know, I know them very well, um, very well in fact. Um, but yeah, no, as as the Bradford the Bradford was brilliant for me. Um, had a little spell with the first team coming to the end of the season, and and then Bradford was interested, which I didn't want to turn down. Obviously, first first sort of loan loan move to go and get some first team football, which. Um, I was really looking forward to, and it, it turned out to be a, to be a good season for me, getting uh, quite a few games under my belt and, and doing quite well there. Player of the season award there as well, I, th- I believe. Yeah, and no, I picked up uh, picked up a few of them. Uh, to be honest, so it was a it was a good season for them through, and um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed it. It was a big club, very big club, very good support, um, and I, I enjoyed enjoyed uh, my time being there. And while you were coming through the ranks at West Ham, you also um, represented the country at under-18, under-19, under-20 level. And I was looking uh, yesterday at some of the players you played alongside in those teams. And uh, Luton fans will know uh, in the under-18s, uh, Alex Gilead and uh, Nathan Adua, they were with us um, previously, as with Brendan Galloway. But that under-19 squad that you was a part of is absolutely loaded with top-class footballers, isn't it? Ben Chilwell, Deli Alley, Harry Winks, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, Izzy Brown, who was also previously here. It must have been great to play in squads with such uh, top-class talent. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I really enjoyed the, the England call-ups uh, at a young age. used to obviously play with a few phases that was in and around, obviously, the Prem as well uh, at the time. Um, but yeah, as you say, the, the names you've named there, Everyone's gone on to a sort of a good career, and some of them really, really good. Um, in fact, so yeah, no, England was always brilliant in terms of bringing the talent uh, across all clubs together. Um, and as I say, I really enjoyed it and learned so much from from them call ups. Um, but yeah, no, it was. I think from the call ups, I think a lot of you had to a lot of players were alone. Uh, a lot of players were doing well in in, in terms of getting the call ups. So everyone, the standard of the team was was uh, was brilliant. And I'm guessing that was the thing that kind of propelled you into the West Ham spotlight because you've actually played in the Europa League for West Ham as well, haven't you? So even at quite a young age, you, you know, you picked up quite a lot of experience. Yeah, no, it seems it seems so long ago now when, when I'm thinking back at it. Um, but yeah, no, uh, Europa League, cup games and uh, obviously the five games I played, uh, managed to get minutes in the Prem um, with West Ham was, was, was all something that I won't forget. Um, but yeah, no, it was a big achievement for me, a very big achievement. Uh, obviously, as I say, West Ham through and through and obviously family. Um, I think think uh, my dad might have had tears when I made my debut, but um, yeah, no, it was a, it was a good, good, um, good, uh, good time for me at West Ham, I should say. Good stuff. Yeah. You, so you mentioned that you, uh, you left West Ham, you joined Hull. Uh, obviously last season you won league, one, which was absolutely fantastic, I'm sure. And then you decided to join us. How did uh, how did that move come about? Because obviously we're in the same division this season. So um, I know you was out of contract there, wasn't you? Um, what was it that attracted you to us? Um, I, I knew there was interest uh, from when I think we got relegated, um, which was a bit of a sort of a 
tough one to take. Uh, that season wasn't wasn't a good one, um, but a learning curve. I would I would take on board, but yeah, and I think obviously get after the relegation, the only the only thing for me was uh, obviously I, I wasn't able to leave the club at the time, um, mm-hmm. even though I did I did want to. Um, but then my my only focus was to to get back into the championship and and lucky enough, well well deserved. Uh, we managed to keep on quite a few players in the team. We had, we had a strong team, a strong squad for League One, and we ended up doing well and obviously getting promotion back to to the championship, which is again another big achievement for me. Uh, something that obviously I won't forget. Um, B and I, I knew Lewin was interested in. Um, when as soon as we got promotion, I knew I was sort of that contract with Hull, and it was difficulties there with the contract wise. Um, and obviously, there was rumours about the club being sold, um, new owners coming, and and whatnot. But I just sort of wanted, felt like I've had my, I've had my time there at Hull, and I wanted a fresh start. Um, and I think after speaking with uh, Nathan, the things they said and. Speaking to people and the, the things you hear about the club, it was such a such a good place to come. And I've, I've noticed that. And soon as I've soon as I've, uh, soon as I've been here, so but yeah, no, we've we've got a great squad here, and I'm I'm enjoying it. And as I say, we're, we're doing well. And it's the only thing the only people thing that's going to stop us is ourselves. Um, we've got such such a strong squad here. Um, players that can play in many different positions, and uh, players that play in my position. So it's, it's, everyone's pushing each other on. And I think that's what makes such a such a uh, strong squad, but yeah, no, I think my time at Hull was was uh, was done. Shall I say? Uh, I enjoyed it there. I, I ain't got uh, bad things to say about the club um, it, um, itself, but I just felt for me, time in my career, I just wanted a sort of a fresh start and, and a, sort of a new beginning uh, in which I managed to get here. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I wasn't going to mention that relegation season because obviously we stayed up at Hull's expense, but uh, as, as as you mentioned, it was a bit of a a turn of events. Um, I spoke to the gaffer at the start of this season, actually. We had him on the podcast and we went through all of the new signings. Obviously, yourself included, there was eight at the time. And he spoke very, very highly of you. So I got the feeling then that he'd been chasing you for a while. And uh, obviously, you've just confirmed that. But what is it about um, about him that kind of gets the best out of players? Uh, you know, he seems to be getting some really, really good football out of you. And and I know he loves ball playing centre-half, so he must really, really, really um, like you. Yeah, no, um, it's just the way he is. He sets high standards throughout the training ground and leading onto the pitch. Um, he demands everything from his players and he knows everyone that he's got in his team, their, their strengths, their weaknesses and what he needs to do. Um, but the way the way he is around, obviously, the, the, the training ground and the way he does his training is... It's high demand. Um, do you know what I mean? It's, as I say, it's high standards. He wants the, the best and he, there's no sloppiness. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's what drives everyone on. Um, and I think here, if you're not performing and he, he's not afraid to, to to drop you to the bench, do you know what I mean? And I think it's that that determination you need as a player to obviously always be at 100% all the time. Uh, can't take your foot off the pedal, do you know what I mean? Because you, you'll end up seeing yourself at the team. So... It's, it's driven through the staff, not just not just Nathan. It's just driven through the staff and everyone that works in and around um, at the training ground and, and Luton itself. Everyone's, um, as I, I keep saying it, but the, the standards are really high, um, and there's just there's there's no there's no time for sloppiness. So it's just throughout everyone, and everyone sort of it starts there, and then it, it leads down through to the players. 
And one of the things that um, I really like about watching you play is your comfort on the ball. I'm guessing that's something that came through uh, while she was at West Ham because everyone's comfort comfortable on the ball there, isn't it? But is it a kind of, does it help that the fact that you're in a back three, that it allows you to bring the ball out with a little bit more freedom than say if you was a two and you'd have to kind of hedge your bet sort of thing? Um, yeah, uh, I think as a young kid, I always see myself sort of as a ball playing centre half and I sort of got the people were sort of saying I'm, I'm quite comfortable when I started playing, obviously, uh, when online I started playing proper football. But I think when you when you do play a three at the back, I think there's there's a little bit of a licence playing, obviously, the right side and the left side, centre-half, to sort of push on and try and uh, use the space uh, which is in front of you. Uh, sometimes it's a bit difficult because um, you don't want to push too far forward and start um, invading, obviously, the, the right wing-back space. But... I think in um, in games, uh, when the time's right, I, I do like to see myself um, pushing forward and trying to make things happen. So you do, there is a little bit more license when you do play a free because um, obviously there's still there's still people behind you that can that can do the defending. But yeah, no, it's, um, I do I do enjoy playing the, the right side of the free, to be honest. Because there are different roles, aren't there? Because obviously on Saturday, you was the middle man of the three and therefore less likely to go forward. That would have been sort of Tom's... Um, license on, on Saturday so depending on where you are across that back line it is a different role isn't it yeah I think yeah everyone's got a different different role um, but as you say the, the right side and, and if, compared to playing the middle is, is completely different for middle you've got to sort of control things maybe a little bit more um, the one that can see obviously everything that's going on the one that demands things as uh, the game's going on um, but yeah sort of the, the base obviously the, the three so um yeah, no, you do get a little bit more license when you do play the, the right side and the left side, and obviously you want you you, you want your, your wing backs to get forward and and put crosses in like that breezy and, and belly do. So, um, but yeah, no, it, everyone's got a different role to play, and I think I'm quite comfortable in playing um, any any of them. Uh, in fact, and I guess one of the roles of all three defenders is to get up and get on the end of sort of set pieces, which you managed to do at Cambridge uh, weekend before last. Got your first goal for the club. How did that feel? Yeah, no, brilliant. Um, sort of uh, a long time coming, I should say. Uh, I nearly had one at Bournemouth, which was was given a, uh, an own goal. <laughs> I was doing my best to get that credit <laughs> to you, but unfortunately, TV did you no favours. Yeah, no, I was a bit, uh, a bit disappointed with that one. But um, yeah, no, I'm glad I got um, my first goal. Uh, just need to try and get one in or get a few in the league if I can. Uh, but yeah, no, as you say, being a defender, especially a top top defender you need to get to get goals um because that just that adds, that adds a little bit to your game uh, and it's something that I've always been trying to work on um I sort of had a good season last year with Hull but obviously that was league one championships completely different now so I need to try and get my first one in the league and I'm, I'm sure many many will follow after um a good header as well actually because Elliot didn't know if is that ball across yeah no it was a it was a very windy windy day and the conditions weren't great at Cambridge but I managed to redirect it, um, sort of heading away uh, from goal at the time. But yeah, no, it was a good ball from from L. Uh, it's the things we work on in the training ground. Um, everyone, everyone's got a job to do, uh, as you say, and set pieces is one of them. So um, yeah, no, I was, I was really delighted to, to get my first goal for Lewin. And in open play, you're kind of getting more and more further forward. I've noticed certainly. Uh, since the change of the year 2022, you've kind of got into the opposition box a lot. You're really supporting Breezy or Pete Kioso down that side. And um, there's sort of 
a banger coming from you in the top corner. It almost happened at Swansea, didn't it? Curled one just over the crossbar. Have you got that in your locker? Uh, I like to think so, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I nearly, I nearly had one at uh, Swansea, uh, the left foot swinger, <laughs> some people would say. But um, yeah, nah, as I say, I do like to get forward. And if I do see the space and if I can make things happen for the team, then it's something that I won't turn down. Um, but obviously, there's, there's a time and place. You can't can't be doing it all the time because... I think the main the main reason why I'm in the team is to, to defend them. But if I can make things happen, then definitely. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe one day I'd, I'd, I will score a screamer, um, which would be nice. Um, and that'll be another memory that I'll keep hold of if, if it does happen. I'm absolutely convinced it's going to happen. So uh, looking forward to uh, when it does. You've played in front of the Kenilworth Road fans. I think you played in front of the Kenilworth Road fans for Hull, but you've played in front of us um, at Luton. What's it like playing in front of packed house at Kenilworth Road? Yeah, nice, brilliant. Fans, fans are brilliant, and the support, the support is uh, is brilliant as well. And I say it's, it's 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 just you can just see it run through to the fans, the staff, the players. Do you know what I mean? Everyone's sort of on the same page, and the togetherness throughout the club is 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 something that I haven't seen for for a long time. Um, but yeah, nice, it's brilliant. And I remember coming here um, a few years ago playing playing against Luton, and it wasn't wasn't a nice place to uh, to come. Uh, <laughs> obviously, it's, it's sort of a tight pitch. Fans are on top of you, but yeah. No, now, now I'm here playing this our own ground. I'm pretty sure it's the same for for away teams coming here. It's not, it's not a nice place, and I think you can see that with the with the top teams coming to to, to the Kenny, they they struggle a bit. And I think with the fans as well, um, being so close to the pitch, it's, it's it's a benefit for us. Hopefully, the home dressing room's a lot nicer than the away one. Uh, yeah, no, I think it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, no, it definitely is. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, as I say, it's a, it's a tough place for, for opposition teams to come, um, but it's, it's, it's a good place to, to be playing. And we proved that against Bournemouth, didn't we, last month? Um, I mean, the celebrations, the scenes and absolutely everything about that game still in the memory of the Luton fans. I mean, what was it like when Cal brought the ball down on his chest? Did you know it was going in? Yeah, I think he listen, he does it in training all the time. Do you know what I mean? He's he, he's uh very, very, very good on the ball, I should say. Um but yeah, no, he, he always puts one in training now and then he, he's got that ability and I think you knew when he chopped when he chopped and it was he was ready for the shot. Everyone just knew it was in and it just shows you when it did go in, everyone was everyone was delighted, everyone was on their feet. Do you know what I mean? It's just such a good club to be at and everyone was buzzing at the time and Everyone celebrated together, so yeah, and no, that was that was sort of the highlight of the season uh, for me. Um, seeing that ball go in, especially against Bournemouth as well, uh, top top opposition. So yeah, no, that was that was a great result um, for us. Yeah, because they're going to get promoted, aren't they, Bournemouth? I think you look at the league table, you look at what they've done in January. Likelihood is that them and Fulham may well sort of disappear into the distance. So the fact that we drew with Fulham at home. Uh, beat Bournemouth at home it just kind of shows that you know we're not making up numbers in this league so you know some people, some outsiders will look our loot and the little old loot and they're going to fade away but that's not the case necessarily No, no definitely definitely not um, I think every top team we've played against this season uh, we've, we've given them a good game um, and when we're not I think I think they know it in themselves do you know what I mean we've proved that um, and as you say we're not just a name in this division at all um, I think in the next few weeks if we've got some some points we can we can see ourselves pushing for obviously the top six so that's that's our aim now because we know it's achievable um obviously the weekend I keep going back to it wasn't wasn't a good good result for us but 
we need to push on. We know we've got West Brom, they're a good team, but we, we turn up against good teams, do you know what I mean? So I'm hoping it'll be a good game for us and hopefully a result. Yeah, absolutely. And another, uh, well, they're not bad, are they? Chelsea are on the horizon. Uh, that was the reward for beating Cambridge. Must be a night that everyone's looking forward to. I know as fans, we're looking forward to it. Find, uh, we Tickets went on sale yesterday, managed to get mine straight away, not missing that for the world. But you guys must be really looking forward to that one. I know there's games in between, but it's still a standout fixture. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, as as players, you want to you play against the big, the big teams and you want to experience uh, what it's like and Played against Chelsea in the FA Cup uh, at Hull a couple of years ago. Um, we lost two one, but that was that was a good good experience. Um, I think it was two one, but yeah, that was a, a good experience at the time. And obviously, I'm glad um, we've we've drew them in the cup again. Um, I'm also quite delighted that they're coming to the Kenny. Uh, I don't think it'll be an easy one for them. Um, all those I'm guessing some players will like to play away and see what the stadium's like and and whatnot, but. Yeah, nice. No, it's a big one for us. Um, I've already sort of asked them um, for my tickets <laughs> if I can get hold of them, but I know I know the demand's really high. But I'm pretty sure, that, like my family, will be able to come to the game. But yeah, nice. No, it's, it's one that I'm looking forward to, um, and then hopefully, um, hopefully, I'm playing live on the BBC as well. I mentioned Shazy had a haircut after the last podcast. Will you be getting yours done up for the occasion? Uh, I do like to to get to get a haircut um, every couple of weeks. I should say um, <laughs> self care and that self love. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, no, most most probably uh, um, just get a standard haircut before before the game. Yeah, it has to be done, doesn't it? Uh, not very often that certainly uh, BBC cameras um, make their way down to Kenny. But hopefully, you know, we give Chelsea a game. Who knows? We even win that game. We'll get them um, get them down again. You mentioned the form. Um, a little while ago, Reese, uh, the form since we come back from that COVID long month off sort of COVID thing, it's been absolutely fantastic, hasn't it? Uh, everyone sort of mentions that break, but actually we're in good form prior to that. Uh, win at Blackpool, be uh, sorry, drawing with Fulham. How, how, how are the boys feeling? I mean, take Saturday out of the equation. Let's say we did this podcast last week. Everyone must have been absolutely buzzing at the time. Yeah, I think um, yeah, no, definitely. As you say, the the, the run of games and the run we've had has, has been been good after COVID. Um, it was a difficult time. Uh, obviously, we had to cancel a few games, which which means we know uh, Saturday and Tuesday is going to come quick and fast, obviously, to, to catch up. But boys have been brilliant, and as you say, we did go on a good run. We're we're, we're very disappointed from the weekend. Um, everyone everyone was after the game. Do you know what I mean? Like, we felt like it's a game which we should have. We should have added to the tally, do you know what I mean? And should should have got points from. Um but yeah, no, if you if if last week you spoke spoke to me, I probably would have been in a little bit of a better mood. Um but no, I'm as you said, listen, it's got to run to the next one. Do you know what I mean? We've got another big game weekend and it's something we need to uh turn up for and bounce back and obviously try and get uh try and get results from the game. So yeah, no. The the break was difficult, but as you say, the run the run's been brilliant from us, and hopefully we can sort of go on another one. Yeah, one defeat's not really going to change all of that, is it? But I guess the fact that we're at home on Saturday certainly helps because the Kenny is becoming a bit of a fortress. Yeah, no, as you say, we we, we spoke about it before. It's, I think it's such an hard, hard place for opposition to come, and I think um, our home performances have been good. Uh, I don't think the Barnsley game was was up to scratch, um, but. We managed to get a result, which I think that just shows what a good team we are. Do you know what I mean? Even though when we don't play well, we can we can pick up points and we can get results, which shows um, shows a good team. Um, but yeah, 
looking forward to the game. And as I say, hopefully we do. We 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 um went to the tally and we get a result. And the, the, uh, at the minute, it looks like there are playoff rivals, doesn't it? They're one place above us in the table. I watched them last night. They could still be playing on Saturday and wouldn't have scored, but that's um, by the by. Um, if we win our games in hand, though, we are actually catching Huddersfield, who are in sixth position. So, you know, the last third of this season, it could be a real special one. Yeah, no, definitely. I think the games um, which we had in hand, we've done well with, obviously, to to um, to add into. Sometimes it's... It's difficult when you think you've 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 got games in hands and you know what I mean. Yeah, we'll get points, but sometimes you'd prefer just the points being on the board. But I think the boys have been brilliant to to pick up the points um, with with the games in hands which we've had, um, and the gaffer's been been delighted with that. And but yeah, as you say, it's the league's tight. Do you know what I mean? You you, you win a few games and you can you can see yourself in there, um, and obviously other vice versa. If you lose lose something you can see yourself go like drop drop a little bit down but yeah no listen we've just got to keep taking game by game and, and do, doing the best we can um we've got a strong strong squad and there's there's no reason why why we sh- we, we we can't um compete uh being in the top six no i would agree with that we're um we're certainly right in the right in the mix um there's a lot of competition at the club isn't there uh, I don't think I ever remember and I've spoken to other people I don't think I can ever remember having such a strong core of central defenders as what we've got now so um, I'm guessing there's pressure on you sort of every day in training let alone in every game just to make sure you keep your standards high because people are snapping at your heels wanting your shirt yeah no definitely uh, as I said before the standards are high um, and there's there's no room or there's no there's, there's no time for um, thinking you're going to come here and play every week do you know what I mean or You've had a good game. You think you're going to play next week because that's that's not the case here. You've got to be be uh, you've got to be bang at it, training, uh, doing train well. Uh, you've got to carry on playing well, to, obviously to keep your space in the team. But yeah, um, having players that can play in your position obviously will drive you on um, because you know as soon as you slip off, they're they're straight in. Uh, but I, I think that's what makes a good team. Do you know what I mean? There's no point being in a team where you know you can have a bad game and then the following week you can play again. Do you know what I mean? Or you can have a few bad games and you're still playing, but here there's players to play in your position, so everyone's got to be at it. But I think it's brilliant; uh, pushes everybody on. Uh, but yeah, no, I've, I've seen myself at the team. Uh, sometimes I'm not even made the squad uh, this year, but it's nothing to dwell on. Do you know what I mean? You just got to keep training, keep your head down, and 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 do well. And obviously, your time time will come again if you, if if you're doing the right things. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic attitude to have. And I know it's an attitude that everyone in the squad has, which is what makes us, you know, um, so special in in many ways. What we lack in terms of budget and everything else, we certainly make up for in team spirit and things like that. And actually, I'd rather it be that way in many ways as a fan than, uh, you know, spending all this cash and knowing it's going to go wrong at some point in time. So um, everything's really, really good as a fan. I mean, you mentioned there about poor performances. You certainly haven't had many recently your form has been absolutely superb and, and to my eye the untrained eye it's only getting better so I wish you well for the rest of the season thank you, thank you uh, a lot for giving up um, some of your time um, today I hope I've kept you out of the rain for a fair enough time for you to to have dried off and things and uh, all the best for Saturday all the best for the rest of the season and I can't wait to see that banger in the top corner cheers mate thank you very much been nice speaking to you you're welcome cheers Ray. thanks a lot cheers thank you uh, just a quick word on uh, on Reece Burke, guys. Um, 
slotted into the side really, really nicely. James, um, Nathan, he had, uh, he had one of those glints in his eye when he talked to me about him at the start of the season, and I can see why now. Yeah, I mean, he had to bide his time, didn't he? But um, when he's come in, he showed uh, he's really um, classy. Great um, winner of the ball in the air. And like I mentioned with Osho, another one of the uh, centre-backs that is quite willing to bring the ball out of um, of defence. That's obviously his West Ham upbringing. But um, yeah, I've been, I've been really impressed with... I'm really impressed with all the defenders, really, because they've been such a mix and match um, systems and formations and and lineups with the back three or back two. They've all come in, and it's like they've uh, they don't have to have that bedding in period. They all just seem to work, which is a good thing. Um, but he's like uh, he's like uh, Usher at the minute. But so you, you can't leave him out at the moment. Uh, and that's very that's a, a big compliment to him, considering uh, the players they've got there at the back. Yeah, it really is, Simon. He kind of came across in that interview as a as a guy who's determined, isn't he? You know, he wants to improve all the time. He's improving in our side all the time. Got his first goal recently. You sense there's more to come. Yes, yeah, certainly, totally agree there. And it's one of those, as you say, he's had to take a bit of time. We've got quality centre backs. The fact that we've gone to three at the back uh, more regularly now is obviously given an extra opportunity to to those players in the defence. And unfortunately, with Sonny missing out at times and Tom missing out, um, you know that that's given Reese the the opportunity to play. And you know he's more than deserved. I, th- I think you know across that back line, um, all the players there have been strong when they've been performing. And it's just been a case of mixing and matching for injuries or other issues. Um, that has, has given everybody the game time. And it's great, again, we talked about it already, that the strength in depth that anybody drops out and you think, well, we're not any weaker. Um, you know, and the fact that we've moved things around with Bradley and Naismith, depending on who we're against as to who's playing in the centre um, and who plays the left side. The fact that Reese can play right side or in the centre. Um, you know, that there is plenty of options between the defenders that we've got. Um, and you know the, the players that are featuring, and it, it is great that we've got that strength to uh, to use as the season has progressed and as we come into what is almost coming up to the running, really, in the next few months. Yeah, really classy player, and as we continue to improve, I'm absolutely sure he's going to be a big factor in that. We thank Reese for his time, uh, as I, as I did at the end of that chat. We also thank Simon for his time because we've come to the end of the first part of the podcast. In part two, we're going to look ahead. So we'll let Simon go so that we don't get anything controversial out of him ahead of uh, any commentaries or anything like that. But Simon, thanks for giving us some time for this first part of the podcast. We'll undoubtedly catch up with you between now and the end of the season. But obviously, we've got you on board for the um, presentation evening, which we're going to announce uh, in the coming weeks. Um, So, yeah, keep up fantastic commentaries and we'll see you soon. Thanks a lot, Kev. Great to be on and catch up with you both. Cheers. Brilliant, and uh, keep with um, this part of uh, this podcast because myself and James will be back for part two, where we will look ahead to the future and just, and go through a couple of sort of topics of debate.